The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew and Review. We're a podcast from the Galactic Network. I know. Now... The, uh, the fact that Peter's leaving is still very, very much in the news. Um, before, just before I went to record this, which is on the Sunday, for those of you who don't know, uh, David Harwood uh, has actually released a statement saying he thinks it should be a woman or a black actor. Now, I agree. Well, I agree it should be a black actor. I don't agree it should be a woman. Everyone knows that. I agree it should be David Harwood. But isn't he busy at the moment? Anyway, that story's not featuring in this week. That's going to be in next week's because that was only uh, released today. So if you want to know more about that story, tune in next week. Hey, it's time travel, guys. Right, but former Doctor Who director Joe Ahern has challenged opponents of a female Time Lord to explain the reasons. Oh, he's talking about people like me. Ahern, who helmed five of the 13 episodes from the Christopher Eccleston era told Radio Times they've gone young, they've gone old. Why not go a little bit different? It's time. There's no earthly or alien reason why a woman couldn't play the part. Women are 50% of the population. People who don't want it are the ones who have to explain why they don't want it rather than those who do. It's just tradition. There'll be some usual lunatic objecting, but there's always a backlash. I remember when John Pertwee turned into Tom Baker and I thought I'd never watch it again. But I'd forgotten two weeks later, and that's what kids are like. And the show is for kids. Okay, thank you very much, Joe, for your opinion. I, I appreciate your opinion. I partly understand it. But why not create a new character that's female? Why use a pre-existing character and then go, oh look, now they're a female. Yeah, well, what next? Yeah, oh look, so the Doctor is now a trans character, the Doctor is now a lesbian, the Doctor is now gay. Don't mess with the formula. Keep the formula and include people. There's no reason why you can't have a female Time Lord. No reason whatsoever. Bring back Romana. But if you have got a protagonist, who is male, keep them male. You wouldn't do this with James Bond, would you? You wouldn't go, well, it's about time we uh, we had a Jane Bond, isn't it? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't mess with the works of Ian Fleming. With regards, um, with regards to Sherlock Holmes, you wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't go, ah. So now, now we're going to have, um, now we're going to have Sherlock, but Sherlock's a girl. No, you don't mess around with these. And this is why, Joe Ahern, and this has got me quite animated so early on, but this is why the Doctor is male and not female. And you'd do well to remember that. It's not about regenerations. It's not about the shock of regeneration. It is not about the fact that, oh my, the Doctor's a different person. Because believe me, after 50 odd years, we get that the Doctor changes. I'll just let the Doctor be the Doctor, okay? Thank you, that is all. 
that's a rant well worthy of my friends the else nerds just without the swearing if you want to listen to their show it's a great show check them out on gncasts.com else nerds they'll rant like that every week anyway i'm losing track of what i'm here to say did you know nearly 10,000 fans have signed a petition calling for cardiff's doctor who experience to remain open Following the news a few months ago that the popular attraction would shut its doors in the summer of 2017, the closure of the Interactive Props and Costume Museum is due to the expiration of a five-year lease on the land in Cardiff Bay, and it was leased by the Welsh Government to Cardiff Council and then sublet to the BBC Worldwide. So, you know, it's a land thing. The deal was always due to run out in the summer. But fans are hoping that the petition can show the BBC Worldwide and the Council the local desire for such an attraction, even if it's in a different location. I know the land was only leased for five years, but surely anyone can see that to knock this on the head when we have Doctor Who being filmed here in the studios, well, it seems like a stupid thing to do. I don't know whose quote that is, but that was what someone said. And I sort of agree with that. I can totally get that, you know, of course, having something to mark that Doctor Who is filmed in Wales is a good thing. But here's my take on this. Why not send it around the globe? Like a travelling show, much like the Star Trek experience. Why not choose key locations? LA, New York, Montreal, yeah? Why not? Why not send it to Sydney in Australia? Yeah. Why not have it in uh, Mexico? Why not send it around the world? Doctor Who is no longer a British phenomenon. It is a global phenomenon. Send it global. That's what I would do. And you can still have your small shrine to Doctor Who in Cardiff. No one will take that away. Just make it bigger. Make it better. Make it travelling. Make it the greatest show on earth. Ah, the greatest show on earth. <coughs> Excuse me. Did you know at time of recording, there's less than 50 days until the start of Doctor Who? Did you know that if you check the um, Galactic Network's newsfeed, you'll see the new trailer? Oh, look, look them up. I popped it on their Facebook page. Oh! Am I excited? Do kids like chocolate? Do dogs wag their tail? Oh, I am so excited. Anyway, after the announcement last month that Peter Capaldi was stepping down as a doctor, there's been speculation after speculation after speculation as to who could possibly replace them at the TARDIS helm. Could it be Tilda Swinton or Danny Dyer? or someone completely unknown. When will the new Doctor be announced? Will they have a brand new companion? Or will Pearl Mackie still be around as Bill? And now, with absolutely no answers in sight, we may have to start quizzing former series leads, such as David Tennant. Let's force him to explain on the BBC radio just how uninvolved he is with the whole project. Because that's right, he was quizzed by David Walliams and his response was that he knows as little as anyone else. So when it comes to um, 
when it comes to who's who, don't ask him. I think that's a lesson for us all there, yes? Hauntings, sky sounds, parallel universes, monster sightings, the New World Order, ghost ships, urban legends, mysterious radio broadcasts, and secret government facilities are just a few things we've talked about on Weird World Weekly. Listen to find out what's next. Go to gncasts.com slash weird to listen. Find out more and subscribe to the podcast that discusses the paranormal, mythological, conspiratorial, unexplained, or anything else we think is a little strange and out of the ordinary. Also, Matt's continuing search for turkey recipes. It's all on Weird World Weekly, part of the Galactic Netcast network of shows, also available wherever you listen to podcasts. Many thanks for downloading this podcast from the Galactic Network. We have so much to offer. Maybe it's horror or adventure gaming. Perhaps you just like to listen to a couple of nerds geeking out. Well, if that's the case, then visit gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. And have a good poke around. You'll be surprised what you find. Maybe you'd like to chat to the hosts. If so, then why not sign up to our Slack channel? Or simply you want to tell us what a great job we're doing. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. So as you know, next year, Broadchurch creator Chris Chibnall will become the big man in charge of Doctor Who. And one key figure definitely approves of the promotion, and that is indeed David Tennant, the 10th Doctor and star of Chibnall's ITV crime drama. He told Digital Spy that he thinks Chris was possibly, well, the only choice to replace Stephen Moffat as showrunner. I think it's inevitable that the world would turn to Chris, said Tennant. It's a big, massive, difficult job, and it needs... Well, he needs someone who is enthusiastic and talented. A bit like Chris. So there we go. Now what I'm going to do now, normally I would do the A to Z at the end of the news. But as the next news item, well, it contains spoilers and potential spoilers. And I know some of you, well, some of you might want to avoid them. I mean, with less than 50 days to go, I can totally understand why you would. Not me, however. I take my time to dig out the spoilers. Um, So I think it's only fair that I warn you. And I think the best way to warn you is if I do A to Z right now, and then I can come back to the slightly spoilerific part, and you, you can decide whether or not to listen. Isn't that good? Excellent, that is what I thought. So here we go, are we ready? It is time for the A to Z. And um, the monster this week is, well, it's Professor Lazarus. 
strictly speaking, didn't start off as a monster, but, well, you know, do any of the monsters start off as monsters? The episode is from the Lazarus Experiment, and you'll be surprised to learn that his uh, planet of origin is Earth. Now, what technology does the Professor have? Well, he has a genetic manipulation device. Lazarus built a genetic manipulation device with financial backing from Harold Saxon, who was in fact the master. It took him many years to complete, and he was 76 years old when he finished it. When interviewed on television, he spoke of how his experiment would change what it means to be human. The head of PR, Tish Jones, organised an unveiling of the experiment. He stepped into the machine when it was activated. Despite engineering faults, the machine worked and take, took at least 30 years off his age. He stepped out a much younger man. Unbeknownst to Richard, the process had activated dormant genes in his DNA, possibly as a result of interference from Harold Saxon. They refused to settle down and he transformed into an alternative evolution of humanity which fed on human life energy. In this form he killed his associate Sylvia Thor, draining her of life. The failed experiment mutated him into a hideous creature with a taste for siphoning off human energy. Lazarus was able to temporarily change back into a human after his hunger had been satiated. He died falling from a bell tower and upon impact he reverted back to his younger self and then his older self I guess there's some things you just don't mess around with right so if you don't want spoilers now's the time to um well now's the time to to say a goodbye thank you very much for listening please email me tardis at gncasts.com join our slack team or, you know, smoke signals. We get them. Now, let's go back to this. Okay, so currently, thank you very much for joining me, by the way, if you've stayed on. Mm -hmm. Really do appreciate it. Currently, there are only four episode titles confirmed. Now, these are the first episode, A Star in Her Eye. The fourth episode, the Haunted Hub, the sixth episode, Extremis, and the tenth episode, Eaters of Light. But that doesn't mean we don't have spoilers for a few other episodes. In fact, for the first four episodes, we have a little, a few little spoilery ones. If you don't want spoilers, please do let me know. In the future, um, this podcast is as much for you as it is for me. I mean, whilst it is sort of, you know, my care in the community, this is the way I... I like to get it all out there. You might not want to listen to this. And if that's the case, please email me, tardis at gncasts.com or leave a comment on my website, doctorwhopodcast.xyz. So, A Star in Her Eye. Episode 1 is the introductionary episode for new companion Bill Potts, played by Pearl Mackey. Now, we've seen a complete scene, apparently, from the first episode, as this was used in April... 2016 to introduce the new companion Bill to the world. That's right, it's the one in the TARDIS environment. Bill is thrown into the deep end for her first adventure with the Doctor when they encounter the Doctor's oldest foe, 
the Daleks. So I don't know how reliable any of this is, but if that is true, that's huge because it wasn't made. We wasn't made sure that the episode was indeed uh, the uh, snippet of the introduction of Bill wasn't indeed anything, any part of a, any part of a, uh, a story. Episode two. Well, the name is not yet known, but as the first official trailer showed, the potential monsters are a humanoid robot with emoji faces, a little reminiscent of the handbots from the 2011 um, 11th Doctor episode, The Girl Who Waited. Now this is uh, written by Frank Cottrell Boyce and it stars Ralph Little, who as you know went to great lengths to explain that he wasn't in it. He is. Episode 3, well we don't have an official synopsis as yet, but we do know that this episode is a period piece. The Doctor and Bill arrive in Regency-era London, circa 1814, where something nasty awaits them. It's written by Sarah Dollard. And episode four, The Haunted Hub. Peter Capaldi has stated that this episode is scary enough to make you afraid of those creaking floorboards. Poirot star David Suchet was announced as a guest star back in August 2016 and his character is simply known as The Landlord. It's written by Mike Bartlett and here's a little fact for you. It was filmed at the same location where the episode Blink was filmed but I don't think we could expect those weeping blighters. So there we go, that is all you have for this week. Next week will be ever closer, it will be more like, what, 43 days, 42 days, something like that. We're getting closer and closer, it's just a matter of mere weeks away. Please, let me know your thoughts. Anyway, that's all for me. Toodlepips, ta for now. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.